0: This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha.
1: So if you ever see radar on your favorite weather app or on TV or wherever it is, it's actually our data. No, There are private radars, but a vast majority of them are actually weather service owned. We can't see below a certain level just because the radar is shooting at just a little bit of an angle relative to the ground so that we don't, the radar beam doesn't hit trees or buildings and get reflected back to the uh, back to the tower as, oh my goodness, that's heavy rain, but it's actually a building that you hit. So.
0: St. Louis just had the sixth warmest February on record, which may cause consternation among folks worried about climate change. But is there really anything to worry about? According to Matt Beicher, not necessarily. That's because while climate changes have been observed, warm weather, when we're used to cold, is not all that unusual. Matt and his colleagues at the National Weather Service want the general public, that's us, to have more information about what weather is and how we can participate in tracking it. Joining me in studio to talk about it is Matt Beicher, meteorologist with the National Weather Service here in St. Louis. Matt, welcome to the program. It's
1: my pleasure, Elaine. Thanks for having me.
0: So, Matt, those of us who spent a few minutes in St. Louis will pretty readily attest that weather here can be very unpredictable. It's easy for most of us to try to make sense of these weather patterns by connecting it to climate change, but it's part of your and your colleagues' job to predict what the weather will be like, what are people getting right and wrong about weather and climate?
1: Well, they're absolutely right that they're experiencing all different types of weather here in the city of St. Louis uh, and in the St. Greater St. Louis Metro. There, we we live in a very unique part of the United States, which is open to so many different types of air masses. Kind of, you can think of them as bubbles of air that have different properties. So we are sometimes exposed to the bitter cold of Canada, and sometimes we're exposed for, to very dry conditions from the Great Plains. Sometimes very humid conditions from the Gulf of Mexico. So our weather can change quite dramatically over the course of not only a few days or a few weeks, but just a course of a number of hours. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean that each one of these events is a signal of climate change, but it is important to note that while we are seeing these more volatile and more extreme events in our world because of climate change, and that is becoming a more research-founded a more undeniable truth of our reality. Not every single extreme event or unusual event, just like the very warm February that we've had, can be attributed to climate change.
0: Mm -hmm. And what is the difference between weather and climate, sort of in layman's terms?
1: Absolutely. So something I like to compare the two to is a mood versus a personality. So weather is your mood. It Changes from minute to minute. If you sit on traffic in traffic on 70, it, it will definitely change from minute to minute. You know, um, or hour to hour, day to day. But your personality is a longer term, averaged sort of steady state, or in some cases, gradually changing w- disposition. Mm-hmm. Right. So weather is sort of like your mood. It'll change rapidly sometimes and oftentimes actually external forces are at play. And the climate is a lot more towards your personality. It's long-term and we look at the whole picture and longer-term statistics as opposed to just what the atmosphere is doing on a given day at a given hour.
0: And that reminded me of the word mercurial. I mean, I don't know how many people actually look at a a thermometer these days to see what's going up and down, but um, there was that association that I made there. Now, we just got out of one of the warmest Februarys on record. February 2023 was the sixth warmest in St. Louis. And then past warm Februarys include 2017, 1882, 1954, 1976, which was when I was born, <laughs> and 1927. And that's in order from warmest to just a bit less warm. Mm-hmm. But still warmer than what's on record. What exactly does that mean? And uh, to quote our producer, Maya Norfleet, what makes it so dang hot?
1: It's, that's a great question. So, yeah, we have experienced one of the warmest Februarys in St. Louis on record. And that record, by the way, goes back to 1874. So that's almost 150 years of data that we have in the city of St. Louis. Uh, average high temperatures were eight degrees above normal. So the high temperature during the middle of the day, usually not all the time, but usually uh, were, uh, were quite a bit warmer than they normally are for February. And another thing to note, typically, and as a matter of fact, last February, we had three separate snowstorms seems like every Thursday we had a snowstorm. <laughs> we only got a trace of snow during the entire month of February, very unusual. We usually have roughly four and a half inches of snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that isn't terribly uncommon though for February. We are, we sometimes, like I just said la- uh, a moment ago, we have bitter cold Februaries and then we get maybe some abnormally warm ones. This one certainly has been one of the warmest. Uh, February is, you're starting to get into a transition from the bitter, bitter doldrums of cold winter into spring. Mm -hmm. So during those transition months, you can experience a little bit of fluctuation in terms of temperatures. Typically speaking, it will depend on which way the wind is blowing, for lack of a better word. Uh, it, it depends on whether or not you're getting more southerly or southwest winds, which bring a lot warmer, more humid air into the into the region, or if you're constantly exposed to Arctic air masses, Arctic high pressure systems that will come down out of Canada and cause these bitter cold snaps, sort of like what we experienced last year. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to the difference between weather and climate. This one month of February is not necessarily indicative in and of itself of climate change just because, just like it, you would say if, if you're cherry picking a normal month and saying well climate change isn't real mm-hmm. because we had a normal it snowed in, in winter congratulations uh, that's not necessarily the the connection we make when we look at things from a climate perspective we look at averages and as a matter of fact we look at 30 year averages so right now we compare normal so I'd mentioned the eight degrees above normal as the, as the for the maximum temperatures sure. in February yeah. the normal that we look at is a 30 year average from 1991 to 2020. So every 10 years, actually, the National Centers for Environmental Information, part of the Weather Service, will assess the climate and they'll assess the averages and the highs and lows and precipitation that occurred across the United States and come up with new 30-year averages. So every 10 years, it actually rolls with us. So we just went through that process. And then in 2030, we're going to go through it again, 2040, 2050. So we're always comparing it to the recent past, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily the entire period of record when we talk about normals.
0: And why is it that people, just everyday folks, don't know this? I mean, 30 years, that's a long Period of time, um, you know, our expectations then maybe of what we're seeing in the forecast are, are not necessarily realistic. So yeah, what what is why is there this gap between what you as a meteorologist know and what the general public
1: understands? It all bo- it all boils down to outreach and education. We, our goal, our mission at the National Weather Service, as it's written in our, in our Congress mandated, you know, this is, this is what our mission is, is to protect life and property in the United States. That is why we are a 24-7, 365 organization that has every, that every single aspect and every single square foot of the United States is, uh, has a weather service office forecasting for it, including Guam and including Puerto Rico. We all have a weather service office that with free weather information that is easily available at weather.gov to every single person, not only in the United States, but in the world if they really wanted to look at it. Mm-hmm. But that connection between the data being available, the forecast being available, and taking action on it, and not only just weather, but climate too, that requires an education bridge. And that's why we at the Weather Service not only are in our, in our office forecasting the weather, issuing watches and warnings and life-saving information for sure, we're also here doing stuff like this. We're going to teach our free storm spotter classes that we have all across the St. Louis region uh, during the late fall, late winter and early spring. And we're mm-hmm. currently in, in the midst of that now. We still have 20 more to do And how
0: the long area. has that been happening? These
1: Those talks have been happen, happening for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly how long they go back to, but they've been happening for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And we try to get a vi- very diverse group of people from diverse backgrounds. We do a lot in the city, but we also go out into rural populations. We forecast for 46 counties in Missouri and Illinois. It's actually a pretty large area when people think about it. We are the National Weather Service in St. Louis, but we do forecast all the way out to Monotau County in central Missouri and all the way east over to Fayette, uh, just, just, uh, just uh, east of Effingham. So we have a pretty, pretty large area to forecast for. And it's a very diverse group of people who have their own predispositions about weather. And they, and we, and we have to go into these communities and listen to them. It so all starts with listening. These
0: predispositions. What are what are some of them? Can you give me an example of one that, um, as I understand, you are not a St. Louis native? <laughs> Is there a predisposition that's kind of uh, specific to our region that that stands out to you?
1: I think that people always will comment, like we were talking about the the, the fluidity of this weather. I mean, how quickly it can change and how that is either indicative of climate change or no, that's just par for the course. That's just what St. Louis is. That is, that's been my biggest understanding since moving here. I moved here about five years ago is that people really have opinions about weather. (laughs) It, It may not be a specific one. It may just come up as they, as they experience it. But our, we, f- we see our role in that as listening to them and and understand and, and tr- sort of provide, providing context to all of that. Why is this happening? Because all of these ideas and thoughts that they have are certainly valid, but they, there is a vacuum there that needs to be replaced with some hard facts, some information, and folks are generally really receptive to that. They're really happy to know, okay, this isn't just me. I actually do experience this, mm-hmm. and this is real, and here is why.
0: And giving us some hard weather facts today Mm -hmm. is Matt Beicher, who is with the National Weather Service. He's a meteorologist, uh, and we're getting a little bit uh, acquainted, I guess, with the way that we understand what is going on outside and maybe what is not. So... um, Given where we are geographically, you've talked about the different um, weather forces that, that come into play. Um, when people come to join these um, storm spotting classes that you have, is there something in particular that that they're looking for, or um, you know, are, are there ways that they want to apply this uh, this skill, not just to contribute to You know what you all are doing with the National Weather Service, but in their own lives?
1: Absolutely. Uh, People come for a variety of reasons. So the reason we host these classes to start is that we have all the sophisticated technology. We have radar, we have satellite, we have observations, but we don't have one key thing and that's ground truth all the time. Uh, We actually, it may surprise you to know, we can't see a tornado on radar we can see signatures of a tornado but we can't actually see it cuz it's pretty sh- pretty short off the ground yeah. and what radars are, the, are looking hmm? yeah what are the signatures the signatures you're looking for are rotation so we have ways of seeing through radar which way the air is moving relative to the radar mm-hmm. uh, so you're looking for a rotation and we can certainly see that but typically what we're seeing is rotation in the thunderstorm itself not necessarily the rotation of the tornado mm-hmm. so the only way we can definitively say yes there is a tornado on the ground it, through radar is if we have a rotation and we also have what's called a tornadic debris signature. So essentially the radar can see it has hit something. And by that point for those people or whatever it's hit, it's too late. Right. So right. we want people in the in the field, especially further away from the radar because where we are able to see in the atmosphere decreases exponentially as you get further and further from the radar. Some parts of our our forecast area that we are responsible for the radar can't see below 10,000 feet, mm-hmm. which is a lot of weather happens in 10,000 right, feet. Right. So we rely on spotters heavily to tell us, yes, there's a tornado on the ground. So we teach them what to look for, the precursors of a tornado on the ground, and how to report those to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also tell them how to report hail, damaging wind, snowfall. And sometimes they don't want to do any of that, but they just want to learn about the weather. And that's an, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. This is a completely free class and we we kind of geek out a little bit with them. Sure, and how do some spotters get
0: Get information to the National Weather Service
1: there's a myriad of ways they could they could report them to us they can call us we I like to say we're one of the easiestly accessible uh, government entities you can call you you pick up the phone on our web and you call our web from our website and it's maybe forty-five seconds to a minute before you talk to a meteorologist, mm-hmm. and you can just give the report there. Uh, you can t- follow us on Twitter at NWS St. Louis and submit reports that way. Follow us on Facebook, same uh, handle on the on the URL there, and you can submit reports that way. You can email them to us. There is a, an app on our website that you can submit the reports to. So there's so many different ways you can do that.
0: So this is connected to a question that I, I'm having about how um, how the National Weather Service collects information. So people outside earth scientists like, or sciences that is, like meteorology or climatology, get their weather information from apps. Mm -hmm. They'll stick their hand out the door in the morning, or they'll learn the hard way by getting caught in something, um, usually something that's coming from the sky. So how is weather data collected by the National Weather Service, and how reliable
1: is it? I would, so I think people interact with our data a lot more than they think they do. So if you ever see radar on your favorite weather app or on TV or wherever it is, it's actually our data. No, There are private radars, but a vast majority of them are actually weather service owned. Uh, we have a ton of automated observation sites, mostly at airports, but also but in other places too, that report temperature, wind speed, among other things that help us out. Uh, we have satellites basically picture uh, Cameras from space that are taking pictures of things constantly. Uh, we can't see too far in, but we can. Get, we have pretty high-resolution uh, satellite data at our disposal as well, um, th- and that data is quite reliable. And of course, our radars. I think our radars. You know, we have. They've come leaps and bounds since the since the technology was developed after World War II for weather purposes, at least. There are still limitations. Like I said, we can't see below a certain level just because the radar is shooting at just a little bit of an angle relative to the ground so that we don't the radar beam doesn't hit trees or buildings and get reflected back to the uh, back to the tower as, "Oh my goodness, that's heavy rain, but it's actually a building that you hit." So, um it's that kind of stuff. But also there are some artifacts of radar that can Make the data look a little bit suspect. We're trained to look for a lot of those, mm-hmm. but it's an it's an imperfect system. And that's why we rely so heavily on ground truth. People think, well, they have so much stuff and they have, they seem to know what they're they're doing. Why? How can I help? It's a great there's a great deal that public can do to help us. and we really, really encourage sometimes we're wringing our hands during some weather and we're like, mm. man, I wish we had some 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 ground truth to yeah. this and when people call, we're so excited to talk to them about it.
0: Is there a recent example of a time when you wished that you had more people calling in?
1: Let's see. Uh, for example, yes. So um, many people remember the December 10th, 2021 outbreak in uh, tornado outbreak here in the region where we had, unfortunately, a few fatalities, one in Defiance, Missouri, and six in Edwardsville. Um, the, there was another tornado that was down in southeast Missouri in Reynolds County uh, near Ellington. That is one of those areas, one of those quote-unquote radar holes that we have, where we can't see too much on the surf, on the ground. But if we had people calling in down there saying my house was destroyed, or you know somebody's house was destroyed, or I see a tornado going this way, that is super helpful to us. We'll sometimes adjust our warnings based on those reports. Mm-hmm. It's very important to us, especially in those areas that we have some um, some some dent, uh, uh, some issues with radar quality and radar data.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, before we came into the studio, we were talking about um, both being transplants here mm-hmm. and experiencing weather in St. Louis that we've not experienced anywhere else. For you, it was uh, New York. Yep. I've lived in the Los Angeles area as well as up in, in Canada. Um, what is most interesting to you about the weather in the St. Louis area?
1: To me, what's most interesting is, I think what's most interesting to a lot of folks is how quick and how, how just rapidly it can change and how many different types of weather you get. It's a great place to be a meteorologist because you really get to try your hand at almost every type of forecasting, whether it's flash flooding and heavy rain, winter weather, severe weather, extreme heat, extreme cold. Even, we have, even have wildfires. We have all types of, we have drought, we have long-term things that, that we forecast for as well. And it's very, it's very easy to get caught up, especially as somebody who's passionate about meteorology or earth science, to get caught up in all of that. But we have to remember the human toll it takes. And uh, I think a lot of folks, when they talk to us about weather events, they'll say, "Man, it must have been really exciting for you to work that event or uh, to to be issuing warnings on a certain day." But you have to keep in mind, our, we are very dedicated professionals to protecting our, to our mission of protecting life and property when we see severe weather yes our science brain is like wow that's cool but on this, on our personal on a personal level and on a mission based level we our stomach drops we don't want that to happen and we certainly don't we we certainly hope that everybody heeds our warnings and takes appropriate actions because we live in the community we serve we're doing this for our not only for people that we serve but for our family and friends the, the, you know that we all have a stake in the weather. Um, I will also say with the more extreme events, that, uh, weather events that we're experiencing, some of which are due to climate change, it is essential now. We can't afford not to be weather aware. So it's important for things like what we're doing now, talking about the weather, learning more about the weather around us and learning how to stay safe. It's important to do that now more than ever.
0: Matt Beicher, thank you so much for coming in today. He's a meteorologist with the National Weather Service here in St. Louis. This episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dort.
1: Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group.
0: Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you.
1: St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.